Hi folks, I'm Abel James, and thanks so much for listening to the Fat-Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food and real results. Today's episode of the show is with Dr. Kelly Starrett, and he's the man behind Mobility Wad and author of Becoming a Supple Leopard, a killer book, an epic tome. Everyone needs it if they want to learn how to move, and I suggest that we all do that. I know that I'm guilty of that myself. Um, especially, that becomes especially obvious when I'm uh, sparring in Krav Maga or something like that. And all of a sudden, I can't really move in exactly the way that I expect to. So uh, someone winds up wiping the floor with me, <laughs> which is never fun. So on the show with Dr. Kelly, we talk about how you can hack human movement, why some tiny fighters can wipe the floor with lumbering beasts, the mechanics of deadlifting a human, and why you move like an ass. All right, let's go hang out with Kelly. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and Future Greens. You want my number one health tip right now? Get your greens in every single day. I've been getting my greens on every day for coming up on, well, almost every day, let's be honest, for coming up on almost 10 years now, and I believe it makes a monumental difference to my health, performance, and overall well-being. Why? Well, most of us eat too many acidic foods like meat, dairy, or sugar and other junk carbs, leading to an unbalanced pH level in the body and more than our fair share of toxins. I don't know if you've ever tried greens supplements, but most of them taste terrible, like fish tank. And if it doesn't taste good, I won't drink it, no matter how good it is for me, especially if you're talking every day. There are tons of supplements out there packed with cheap fats, sugar, fillers, and caffeine, but we have a much better option if you're looking to increase your energy and your health. So when Allison and I are on the road, we always take Future Greens. Future Greens is a concentrated superfood powder made from 15 organic fruits and vegetables, plus six additional superfoods, as well as digestive enzymes. So in less than 60 seconds, you can get the nutrition of over 20 fruits, veggies, and adaptogens, all with less than one gram of sugar. Future Greens is packed with vitamins, minerals, and filling prebiotic fiber from whole, organic veggies, sprouts, algaes, and berries, including kale, beet, parsley, collard greens, cauliflower sprouts, broccoli sprouts, spirulina, chlorella, blueberries, raspberries, and much more. Imagine the time and expense it would take you to buy and prepare all those foods separately. Trust us, we've tried, and Future Greens makes it a heck of a lot easier. Our ingredients are harvested at peak freshness and potency and immediately concentrated and dried using cool temperature processes that preserve the energetic and nutritional integrity of all the ingredients. Whether you're looking to strengthen your immunity, cleanse your system of toxins, alkalize your body, diversify your diet, or boost your energy without caffeine, Future Greens is your new best friend. And as a listener of Fat Burning Man, you can get a 20% discount to try Future Greens yourself. So to get Future Greens from Wild Superfoods and your special Fat Burning Man deal, just visit fatburningman.com forward slash greens to get 20% off when you subscribe and save. On top of that, you'll get an extra bonus that I can't even tell you about right now, but just visit fatburningman.com forward slash greens. We'll see you there. 
All right, folks, we're here with Dr. Kelly Starrett, who's a coach, physical therapist, and author of the epic tome, Becoming a Supple Leopard, which covers how to hack human movement. What's cooking, Doc? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So usually I don't do this, but why don't we start, since you're... Uh, the name of your book is so ridiculous. Why don't we start right there and explain kind of what you're all about and, and what this book is all about. It's, it's enormous and awesome. It, well, right. I mean, you should pick up the Julia Childs or Betty Crocker cookbook and it should be have some girth to it. I right. think there was even a good research that showed that like people, you know, equate quality with heaviness. Mm-hmm. So clearly I'm just trying to go right for the heaviness right off the bat. But uh, <laughs> we... we um, well, a couple things. One is that the first aspect of this book I think that should should jump at you is the name. And yeah. our idea is that why don't we have full available physical capacity as human beings? Imagine if, you know, you could just do everything that a human being should be able to do, which which sounds like we should be able to do that, but even if we begin, we just start and we had everyone listening squat down with their feet together, and you can even do this for us real quick, feet together, (laughs) one fist between your feet, squat all the way down, keep your heels on the ground. Can you do that? Go ahead, give it a try. (laughs) All the way down. Not in these pants, good sir. All right, okay, so you're wearing an exoskeleton that changes the whole way you move. So this notion that, um, you know, the leopard sort of has full physical capacity available, can attack and defend instantaneously. It doesn't warm up. It doesn't activate its glutes. It it has kind of full availability uh, and access of its leopardness. And the thinking was, why don't we as humans have full available capacity? In that is that if you had full range of motion through all Mm -hmm. your tissues, your tissues were normal, and you had motor control, you could actually knew how to express all of that range of motion, then chances are you would never end up injured unless it was catastrophe or Mm -hmm. pathology, right? Mm Unless, or you might not even have a, you know, an over-injured problem. Like most of the, I would say a full 98% of the problems we see in the gym, in the, in the hospital, uh, that are orthopedic, in the physical therapy clinic are preventable diseases. Yeah. And if we just gave people full range of motion and then some basic software to run the most extraordinary hardware on the, bo- on the system in the planet, then chances are we'd have a lot less back pain. Yeah. Actually, none, no hip pain. We would just clean up a bunch of silly BS. And so this notion that we should kind of think about ourselves as skilled human beings and that we should develop that skill uh, is really at the heart of the soul of this book. Now, one of, um, one of the things that I think is so great is you guys have really done a good job. You particularly have done a great job of saying, look, you need to be skilled in the way you take care of the human being. This is how we eat. This right. is how we sleep. This is how we manage stress, right? And those capacities aren't innate. They're learned. They're modeled. And what's happening right now is we're living in this epoch, uh, a renaissance, where we have people for the first time kind of sharing these silos of information. There, you know, you can talk with Matt Lalonde on one day and then have me on the next day. And right. I mean, and you know, what's happening too is that people are really getting the idea that, man, if we operate under this assumption, test retest share test retest share suddenly we're really starting to see best practice that you know olympians are hanging out with physios hanging out with gymnasts hanging out with nutrition people and for the first time we're re sort of directing people back into the center of their lives that they are the center they're the loci of control about leading a more fulfilled life and certainly a pain-free life now 
the, the problem with kind of the way we've traditionally addressed, you know, injury and, and dysfunction is that we wait until we have a problem. We wait till we have some pain, sure. right? This is a, the, it's in engineering. It's called a lagging indicator. It's like saying, Hey, the toast is done. How do you know the toast is done? Well, your house is on fire. So, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, driving your car until it blows up mm-hmm. and then deciding to put engine oil in. Well, right. What we need to do is we need to have a better model, and that model is position. And is that if we can get people to understand some basic framework for how their body works, then really what we can do is we can start to understand where I'm having problems, and then I should be able to fix it myself. Why? It's my human right to be able to perform basic maintenance on myself. And yeah. every human being should be able to, you know, if you have knee pain, you shouldn't go see your physician. You should take a crack at fixing your own knee pain. That's your mm-hmm. human right. And it shouldn't be the embodied knowledge of a few kind of select people, that stuff is a, is free information. So yeah. what's happening now is we're starting to see people who say, Hey, look, I've got half of the equation down. And that half of the equation is lifestyle. It's sleep. It's nutrition. Right. If you have right lifestyle and right movement, you know, chances are you're going to be 110 years old and pain free when you're yeah. 110. And, you know, I plan on like stealing a Corvette with my wife when I'm 90 <laughs> and racing it away from the cops. I mean, this is the goal, right? <laughs> I love that. And that's such a good point too, about just like the, the way uh, that everything is going in terms of information uh, for in, in the past, historically, it seems like we've had these little pockets of knowledge, but the, the experts, if you will, in those pockets or in those rabbit holes didn't really communicate. It wasn't a dialogue between them. But now what we're seeing is, is these people from different domains, whether it be in the mechanics of movement or in nutrition, are starting to talk to each other. And that cross-pollination uh, leads to some pretty amazing results. Well, and to your point, you know, and here's the deal is also that it's not like we're the first people who have taken a crack at this. I mean, like this Ayurvedic model of eating, trying to balance. I mean, people have thought critically about the condition of the human being for, oh, as long as there have been human beings. You know, in yoga, they're not talking about aligning the chakras when you put your palms together overhead. They figured out that was the most stable position for the shoulder when the arm was overhead, well, so did the Olympians, Olympic lifters, so did the swimmers, so did the gymnasts. And finally, we have a chance and an ability to connect the dots on these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I think is really great um, is that there was a great thinker, Buckminster Fuller. Most people have heard of that guy, right? The, the Buckyballs, the, right. the, right? the Fullerines. But he had this great concept called mutually, mutual accommodation. And that systems that are intrinsically correct and inherently not flawed with type 1 errors all mutually should fit up. They should, they should accommodate each other, should integrate. And what you're seeing is that we have, it's almost like an emergent phenomenon, like building a, an ant pile. What we're seeing is that the people from nutrition have found their, oh, we have best practice. And oh, by the way, how do we know that? Well, your triglycerides go down, you lose a bunch of weight, and your performance goes up. Right. And then when you move correctly this way, you're not as stiff and not as inflamed. And, and suddenly we start to see that there's this best practice model that's coming about. And all of these systems are perfectly integrating. They're dovetailing. Yeah. And what I'll tell you is that if you are listening to this podcast and think to yourself, you know, I'm not an athlete, you know, we're talking about how you move through the day. Mm-hmm. We're talking about that, you know, you have to be have an understanding of how the biomechanics works. You know, if you stand like a duck, if your feet are turned out, for example, one of the things that you're doing is you could potentially take 10,000 steps a day. 10,000 steps. Why? Because you're a human being, right? You're busy. That's sort of our model for like background activity, right? 10,000 steps. Well, that's 10,000 loads where your ankle collapses, 10,000 valgus knee movements, 10,000 impinged hip movements, 10,000 loads on the bunion on your big toe. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, 
we multiply that times 70, you know, 70,000 a week. And you can start to do the math on that a quarter million a month. Yeah. And it's, it's like eating a Skittle every single, you know, <laughs> Oh, I'm out of a Skittle, put another Skittle in my mouth. Right. Uh-huh. And just like, let me just create diabetes creeping. Well, let me just create all these orthopedic problems. So what's great is when we start to give people a template for how they work, what we're doing now finally, and thank goodness we're doing it, is that we're finally figuring out what I call iPad technology, right? You know what the science is. Matt Lalonde, you get into his brain, it's a dark rabbit hole of you know, <laughs> amylases and this inhibitor and upregulate, right. right, and small gut chemistry. But the application is simple. Don't eat sugar, probably don't need to drink any alcohol when you're traveling. You probably should really try to limit your carbohydrate intake, right, to quality carbohydrates. And that's me turning on the iPad, right? I don't need to know what the physiology is. I need to know what the actual pieces are, right? And if I want to go deeper and know who made the glass and how that works and how the battery integrates with the memory, like I can do that. But finally, we're getting to the place where we're starting to understand kind of operating principles, general assumptions. And some of those assumptions are the physiology of the human being. We have leveraged our genetics for ages. Mm-hmm. You know, our model, like the Nike model, just do it, is the most destructive thing in the whole world. Like, yeah. get out there, spend your genetics, and when you wear a hole in your knee, sorry, we'll just give it up, right? Yeah. Instead of, here's how the body works. This is how you hip hinge safely and effectively to reach into the crib and grab your daughter, right? Here's how we're going to deadlift these groceries up. And it's not deadlifting to, de- you know, I need to deadlift, therefore I can lift my groceries. It's do I understand how the body works so I can express myself as a human being? Yeah. What's nice is that the modern strength and conditioning language is like a formal language of human movement. And so now I actually have a language that it turns out if I can do a pistol, Mm-hmm. I get into the bottom position where you just were in, the two-footed pistol. Right. Well, it turns out I don't need any more ankle range of motion than that in anything that I do for the rest of my life. You know, If you can kick into a handstand and be stable, well, chances are your shoulders are probably stable when you're swimming overhead. And so yeah. we can start to see that, hey, the first piece of this is do I know what I need to do? Does the, can, I, can I move more effectively? Because what we just have assumed is that people know how to move and they don't, mm-hmm. right? And then the second aspect of that is that when I can't move correctly, now I have a biomechanical problem. Right. That's what the second half of the book is. Let's fix your biomechanics. Yeah. So out of the box, do humans know how to move correctly or do they need to learn how to move? We, so that's such a great question, right? Because you know we've been evolving for two and a half million years. So look at what's happened recently with all the brain science, right? You can just log into the TED Talk. Why does the human brain exist? It exists to move the organism through the environment. There's no other reason why you need a brain. That's it. They use a little model of a sponge and that the sponge attaches itself to this rock. It has a little nervous system and reacts with its environment. As soon as it becomes stable, it doesn't need a nervous system, it digests the nervous system, Hmm. right? Look at Daniel Coyle's book, um, The Talent Code. You know, skill acquisition is a complex biological process. So neurons that fire together wire together. And then when you sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, practice, what ends up happening is that the Schwann cells come in and remyelinate those neural pathways, right? right? So we're like, okay, okay. So we start to get there. Um, you know, we start to look at then I'm wired for movement. In fact, the, the brain, the modern brain, the neocortex is bootstrapped on top of the movement brain, right? This is why we know that movement therapy really helps kids with learning disabilities, right? Like, oh, wow, crazy, yeah. right? And now we start to think, hey, I'm wired for movement, That means all of the hardware has been run, all the wires have been pulled, but the assumption that I move 
will move right is an erroneous one. And why? Well, how long do human beings stay with their families? Mm-hmm. Don't you learn how to eat and sleep? Don't you learn how to well, – we have to learn all of these things. You know, you don't, you're not like a baby deer standing up for the first time and run, right? It's a little bit more complex than that. We think it takes a human being, what, six to 10,000 times a baby to do, perform a skill before it becomes functional, six to 10,000 times. So the chance that I have to make a lot of errors and I do a lot of self-correcting, I think they call this deep practice, the phenomenon of deep practice. So while the tubes and wiring is there, the correct movement patterning is not there. So your squatting is not a construct of the gym. It's a construct of, of making myself stable and moving my center of mass up and down the environment. You know, here's an example that illustrates this well, is that all children run beautifully. They all run on the ball of their feet, all of them. Right. There's not a single episode. Kids are born with their heels on the ground. Kids do not come out of the womb heel striking. They just don't. First grade, somewhere right in the middle of first grade, half of kids start to heel strike. What is it? Well, I think it turns out that kids do a lot of sitting up into the first grade. Uh, That's an error, right? And we start to systematically shorten their heel cords Mm -hmm. where these kids are wearing shoes that have higher and higher heels and these Nike shocks. And suddenly we've taken away their heel cords. We've shortened up their anterior structures. Feet start to turn out. You can't run like that, so they start to heel strike. So at some point, we probably should have had an intervention where we teach people to move correctly much earlier on. Mm -hmm. But the good news is that I am ripe for rewiring over and over again. Just like we make the assumption, well, you know, how many Olympians do you know that can like smoke little smoke cigarettes and eat chocolate donuts and still beat you and still win gold medals? Well, I know a lot of them who actually eat chocolate donuts <laughs> and smoke once in a while and they still are the best in the world. Yeah. But we make the assumption that that's functional versus optimal. Mm. And functional means that I can do my bra, I can move through the environment, I can walk just fine. Let me give you an example. Kids with cerebral palsy have a diagnosis of a damaged motor control system. So they they don't have a motor control system that works very well, but those kids turn the foot out, collapse the knee, impinge the hip, overextend the low back. They find all these mechanically stable positions that Mm -hmm. doesn't take a lot of complex motor skill, but kind of solves the problem with tissue loading and they can walk just fine. Well, we make the same assumptions with our diet, you know, because we know, look, you can buffer a bad diet for decades, right? And I know, you know, all of the executives listening, they're like, I don't need to sleep. I only sleep for four hours a night. They brag about it. Like, you can't lie to me about your sleep. You can buffer that for a while. You can buffer your poor nutrition for a while, but at some point, the bill comes due, and the same thing has happened with your movement. You can move poorly for a while, but at some point, you're either going to lose or you're going to get injured, and at some point, you and I will be talking. Yeah. So um, how how do you self-diagnose? Like, How do you know? uh, Obviously, when you're injured, uh, it makes sense that you would know that your knee is blown out or whatever, but how do you – those kind of minute mechanical errors that you're making over time, how how do you prevent those from happening? You know, um, I think there's a great template for this that was given to us by um, a Japanese swordsman named Musashi. He wrote the Book of the Five Rings. And he said, make your combat stance your everyday stance. Mm -hmm. So that there's no difference between who I am moving through the environment, moving just day to day, and who I am when I'm my fighting self. Like those, those things are integrated. So the problem is if I'm sitting and my back is slouched and my shoulders are rounded as I'm holding this computer, you see me keep struggling to find a better position, yeah. is that the, and you're standing on both feet, both feet are straight, right? You have your shoulders in an organized position. The, the key here is that 
can you identify what a good position is, yes or no? Mm -hmm. And if I give you a basic outline, first we prioritize your spinal mechanics. Is your spine in a good brace neutral position, right? Then do you know, understand how the primary engines of the hip and shoulder are organized? And they follow very simple rules. For example, anytime I'm generating force at the shoulder or the hip in flexion, which is when the arm comes up or the hip comes up, the stable position always has an external rotation torque to it. Mm -hmm. So there's always a torsion of external, of external motion. How do I know? Well, I, how does my car key turn on? Ex, you know, oh, externally, uh, you know, external rotation. How do I screw a, a screw in if I'm right-handed? Yeah. How does the queen wave? What's wax on, wax off? It's <laughs> the same position over and over again. Right. You know, people have solved this problem 10,000 times. If I don't understand what the stable position is, which happens to be lotus, right, that externally rotated position in lotus, then we start to default into some unstable positions. So if I understand I need to prioritize my spinal mechanics and then understand how the primary engines are loaded, boy, I could probably take off 90% of the problems that I see. And then all I'm doing with exercise is challenge the robustness of my position. So what we really are saying is, hey, are you a skilled human, yes or no? Yeah. Skilled human means that I can express all the things and all the movements that a human, human beings should be able to do. And then by the way, I can do that under load, and if I ran around the building and breathing hard, I could probably still do it. And if we're competing, I could still do it. And if you asked me to do more than one, I could still do it. <laughs> and as a side effect of challenging this kind of these, these fundamental archetypes of shape, these archetypes of position, what ends up happening is I'll probably very fit. I'll probably not have any pain and I'll never get injured. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> I like that. So I had a bunch of, uh, friends over the other night and some of them are fighters into MMA and I do Krav Maga and that sort of thing. And we were talking about, um, not just like, like brute strength that people have, which is pretty easy to measure. And, you know, some people are just bulky, bulkier than others, you know, have totally big muscles or something like that. So they look like they could beat the, the crap out of you. Right. But and what do we told people forever? We're like, Hey, just get stronger. Like it's the solution, right. right? Exactly. Oh yeah. At some point you just need to get stronger. Well, how strong does these MMA fighters need to be? They need to squat 600 pounds, yeah. 700 pounds. Is right. that so keep going. So then, um, but once you throw them in the ring, like the, the guys who have that, <laughs> it's so hard for them to talk about it because it's not like a strength that you can measure. They can just move. And when they hit you, it is something that's, you know, it's three times stronger than the dude with the huge muscles coming after you. It's, well, uh, it's this thing that's so tough to describe. So that's, that's the mobility so and mechanics of that. It's not even just tough to describe. Okay. <laughs> you know, how Dave Korea says what? Position before submission. You uh -huh. ever heard that before? Yeah. Well, what we're really saying is, do you understand the technique? So if I'm in guard, right, it turns out that protecting your hand, putting your hands over your face to protect your face is putting the shoulder into external rotation and the wrist, and I'm a, in a stable position. Yeah. Um, that if I'm grabbing your gi or your shirt and creating that torque with that elbow in position, that obeys the same principles of the shoulder. Remember these mutually accommodating systems. Mm -hmm. One of the things that happened when I wrote the book is that I got to go behind the scenes everywhere. I mean everywhere. I've had my hands on Forrest Griffin. I've worked with the NBA. I've, you know, choose a sport, choose an elite military group, choose a university. I've been there. I've seen everyone's dirty laundry. And it turns out that the principles are the same over and over again. Yeah. And the, you know, um, Erwan LaCour is a brilliant instructor and, and says a lot of fundamentally foundationally right things. You need to be a great swimmer. You need to be a great runner. You should be able to climb. You should be exercising outdoors. You should attach some 
kind of light, you know, practice of, of thoughtfulness to your life, right? But one of the things I think he's fundamentally wrong on is that he says things like, well, the gym is artificial and it doesn't transfer to real life. And as case in point, give me a really strong kid in the gym. Now let's put him in the ring with an MMA fighter and that fighter's going to take him apart because right. the person is much more efficient. But if I take the MMA fighter and I put them in the gym and teach them why we're doing pull-ups, that we're creating torque, that teaching someone to floor press teaches them to create a stable shoulder, well, then suddenly I'm able to apply the movement principles mm -hmm. that when I sprawl or, or I'm in guard, if you can't front squat, well, chances are your guard is going to suck mm -hmm. because when your hips come up off the ground with your legs, you've lost your position and your power. Yeah. But if I can keep your spine in a better position and you have full hip flexion, Bam. And so what we need to do is sort of integrate the two. The other problem with this is that in sport, it's become really difficult for people to see what's going on. Like you have to be a skilled, skilled person yeah. to really understand the nuance of position mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. The thing, this unquantifiable thing, I don't know why that guy hits so hard, but he hits hard. Or yeah. he, I just can't pin him down. He's so squirrely, right? I get him in Kimura and he never works, right? Well, turns out that if I apply the movement principles in this formal language of human movement in the strength conditioning setting, mm -hmm. I suddenly have a diagnostic tool, right? And that means that I don't have to understand what is going on in the javelin in real time or mile five on the run or, you know, chopping the wood because I can already make the, the invisible visible in my strength and conditioning. So mm. the strength and conditioning tool, because everyone now will admit, yeah, I gotta, you got to lift weights somehow. you got to do some, right? We just had Mark Allen on our little TV show, and he's like, yeah, I didn't really become an excellent triathlete until I started weight training, yeah. right? Until I actually started getting under a barbell and moving wasn't until I became a much better triathlete. And, and, and all of our modern athletes are doing some kind of strength training, right? right. And so are we just getting stronger and fitter? Do I really need to be stronger and fitter? Because it's not about that. It's about movement efficiency and teaching and reinforcing these movement principles, which then I can apply in my sport. Because I've worked with the Tour de France guys, and guess what? They all say that their lungs aren't big enough, right? Yeah. Like, really? You're really? You're not fit? Yeah, I'm not fit. <laughs> my Olympic rowers, like, my Olympic rowers are like, yeah, I'm not fit. Like, for example, uh, my sister is an Olympic rower. And um, if you've ever done rowing on, a, on a, or like a concept tour rowing machine, Pulling a 145 split is pretty legit, right? Yeah. That's a 140, one minute, 45 seconds for 500 meters. It's a good split. It's a good working split. Well, she pulls a 144 for six kilometers, which is so fast and so freakish right. that, that it's – and you know what she says? Uh, my lungs aren't big enough. And the powerlifters <laughs> I work with aren't strong enough. And yeah. the Olympic lifters I work – you know. so at some point, no one's strong enough. No one's fit enough. So what, what, how fit and how strong do I need to be? This is where the skilled human aspect comes into this. One of the nice things I think or one of the things that we've been confused about and I, you know, I came from physical therapy, right? Mm -hmm. I have 15,000 correlates for human movement. That's what it means to be Dr. Kelly Sarah. I, I can lie you on the ground or lay you on the table and do 17 tests for lumbar stability or you can demonstrate your deadlift technique for me, or mm -hmm. I can watch you squat, and I'll, I'll, I'll put something over your head, and I'll see all the variations in your spine. So I've got some crazy – can you get my videos doing some crazy thing? You still okay? You got me on yeah. sound? Yeah, I guess. Okay. So. <laughs> all right. So the issue here then is you know, how do I make the invisible visible? And more importantly, 
can I start thinking about my movement as a skill? And what we're asking people to do in the book is to adopt 10 or 15 minutes of skill work a day. That's the basic maintenance. Let's tie in the mobility as skill transfer exercises to improve a position. Mm -hmm. That position is the foundational archetype of what it means to be human. So if you can't squat down with your ankles on the ground and feet together, that's what we're fixing today. And so yeah. we do a set of mobilizations and it's only 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. I understand how busy people are in their lives. They're so busy. We're asking people to assume much more responsibility. We're working harder. You have a family, a life. How are we going to integrate all of this on top of it? I know you have 10 minutes a day. That's why they invented red wine and the television set and a lacrosse ball. You can change <laughs> this. And I think when we start making it very simple, just the way you've said, hey, look, I don't have to lay out 15 meals and plan what I'm doing. What I'm going to do is what, what am I eating today? What am yeah. I eating for lunch? And what am I, what's my next meal? You know? And so what we're having people do is start to make a 10 or 15-minute investment. You can do that every day and aggregates into 90 minutes a week, into you know, two hours. And, and pretty soon we've seen significant quality changes in tissues and, and performance. So what is the main, uh, the main approach to that? If you're doing that at home, what, what do those 10 minutes look like? Well, here's the deal is that you know, I like to use the movements of being a human, mm-hmm. squat, press, as my test and retest. Because that's whether I'm full range of motion or not. Imagine if I was eating and I couldn't get my hand to my face, mm-hmm. right? My elbow stopped at 90 degrees. Would you think that was weird? <laughs> that would uh, be pretty I, weird. Yet most people have are missing at least 50 degree, 50% of the range of motion in their hips. Really? At least 50, wow. yeah. 50% of the range of motion in their ankles. A lot of people are missing 30% of the range of motion overhead. Mm-hmm. So no wonder you blow out your shoulder. No wonder you, you compensate around, right? No wonder you have plantar fasciitis and a brutally short heel cord and, oh, a bunion. Like, these are preventable problems. So take it in the con- context and construct of what are the movements I need to do. And then we take a systems approach. Is this a sliding surface problem? Am mm-hmm. I just tacked down? Am I just a matted down warrior princess? Is it... Um, is it a joint capsule? Like we use a, an inner tube tire or a jump stretch band or a rogue band to try to capsulate encounter that? Mm-hmm. Or is it a muscle stiffness problem? And what ends up happening is when we start taking kind of a systems approach to your body, remember, it's not that big a deal. I have 10 or 15 minutes. I can start anywhere. Like if you fly on Virgin America, that, that screen says touch anywhere to begin. Yeah. That's how it is. You, it doesn't matter where you start. You need to start somewhere, right? Well, yeah. I can control my breakfast. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to control my breakfast. Mm-hmm. So the 10 or 15 minutes a day means what do you have? You have a, you have a wine ball lying around? Do you have a, have a rolling pin? Well, guess what? We're starting there. And as yeah. you uh, aggregate and you kind of run out of the things to work on, we can start working on your joint capsules. Mm-hmm. We can start working on your muscle stiffness. You know, we, uh, One of our favorite things to do is it's quality time with a, with a loved one is that you lay on the ground. And then have that loved one smash back and forth on your quads with their foot. We call it smashing, right? <laughs> and it turns out it's a very, very old model of, of, of myofascial release. <laughs> and we're dealing with this sort of lateral stiffness. Instead of going kind of horizontally with the muscle we, or vertically with the muscle up and down, we go across it. And you cannot believe how stiff you are. Yeah. You know? And the key concept <laughs> – yeah, right – is that if you're a modern human, you're going to be forced to make compromises in your sure. position. Why? Because you're going to have to sit at that board meeting. You're going to have to commute in the car. 
these things are not natural and they, and they cause horrific effect on your body. Yeah. I mean, I say, you know, sitting is the new smoking. Mm-hmm. And when we start understanding, okay, I can't manage all these things. I'm going to have to have a template for managing it. That's 10 or 15 minutes of a basic routine where I work on my positions. Yeah. So when it comes to, uh, like being in the optimal position, uh, how do you actually do that? What, what does that look like? Well, the key is that I can tell you what the optimal position is based on sort of the theory of the physiology of the human being. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is, this is what's the key concept here is that the physiology of the human being is not debatable. We know what the stable positions for the shoulder are. We know what the stable positions for the ankle are. And so when I'm moving in and out, I can express basic archetypes. So, for example, it doesn't matter where my hand is in front of me. Right? What I'm trying to do is always create a stable position through the hand. Unless mm-hmm. I'm punching someone and then I really want that capsule to be loose at the end to generate speed. Right. But I start by punching in a stable position. I don't start by punching in a shoulder forward internally rotated position. Right. I start in a stable position but I unwind into uh, a looser joint position. Right. So the key is that it doesn't matter what I'm doing as long as I apply the principles – of the movement, the principles of the physiology, I can solve any problem. So if you squat down and your knees come in, well, it turns out what you're seeing is the joints aren't stable, your ankles collapsed, and your back is rounded. But if I create that torsion through the hip by screwing my hips into the ground, well, then what I've really done is created a stable hips, stable knee, and stable ankle. And all I need to do is, again, be able to apply the movement principles. So, for example, with the shoulder, I say that there are four basic archetypes. There are just four shapes. Everything else kind of falls into some iteration of those basic shapes. One of them is going overhead, Mm -hmm. right? Handstands, pressing, swimming, all of that's a basic shape. And it's not out here. It's all the way up here in the stable position. So that's one shape. This hang archetype where I like an Olympic lift or I was carrying something by my side, right? That's a second archetype. Holding something in front of me, like I'm gonna start a handstand push-up or carrying a log or a stone in front of me, mm-hmm. that's that front rack, which is expressed formally in the barbell in a front rack position. And the last archetype is when the hand comes behind me into this pressing position. Push-up, burpee, bench press, dip, right? Every other thing that we do is some iteration or skill Based on those things, mm-hmm. if I'm fighting on the ground and I get up from a sprawl and grab someone, I go from a press archetype right, to, a, you know, to this front rack archetype. Right. And so it doesn't matter. Suddenly you start to view movement through the lens of movement principle and then I can ask, is the athlete in the best position? Mm-hmm. And so what's nice is that the theory sort of dictates what optimal movement looks like mm-hmm. and the gym is a formal version of human movement. So and this is why it's so important that people kind of get out of the gym and pick up other sports and throw and climb and express. Mm-hmm. We need them to be able to express the principles. You know, let me use Erwan again and pick on Erwan. He has this great idea where he's, he puts up this video where this guy does like 20 pull-ups but can't figure out how to climb a tree. Huh. And he uses the example that, hey, look, this shows this doesn't sk- translate. And I was like, you're right, that doesn't translate from the gym to the real world. But the problem is no one taught that guy what the purpose of doing pull-ups was. Right. The purpose of doing pull-ups is learning how to stabilize the trunk and create torsion 
off of the bar so that wherever I grip, I can create that stable shoulder and mm-hmm. pull. And once you understand the principles, because that's what we teach, then all of a sudden you can apply this to unique forms. So if I'm texting, for example, my head is in neutral, right? This is my neutral head position. Okay. Right? I create a stable shoulder position like Lotus, and then my hands come across right in front of my face. So it looks like seeing I'm texting in this neutral position because the shoulders are stable, head is stable, and now I can apply that principle to anything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there a way that you can know what you're doing is correct or incorrect? Yeah, sure. So one is you have to, if you can express the full range of motion of the body and have the motor control, can you squat down? Can you hip hinge? Can you get into that basic pistol shape? Then, then you've got the range. If you apply the principle to the best of your ability and understanding, because one of the things that's so powerful about the work that you're doing is you're saying, hey, look, I'll be your teacher. I'll help you and guide you by bringing in other teachers, right? But people follow you as a teacher. It turns out people need coaches. They need teachers. So our biggest recommendation is find a coach, right? A gymnastics coach, an adult movement coach, a swim coach. You need coaching. But because the human body has so much slack built into it, if you're working at the limits of your understanding and you're idealizing the best position possible, chances are you are not going to injure yourself. You're going to be in a, a, a good a position as you can be. You know, work with my first responders, right? They're like, hi, Kelly, I got to deadlift this guy. I, he's fallen off his toilet. He weighs 400 pounds, stuck between the toilet and the wall. I can't get in a good position. Well, I said, well, guess what? You know, they're like, so I prioritize my spinal position. I load my hips and hamstrings. I do the best that I can to be in the best position. I'm like, did you get hurt? Did you work the limit standing in your capacity? Bam, you could probably do that for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's where we need to go with this. You know, is that people are just sort of running around wildly, you know, heel striking and moving like, like maniacs. And suddenly we can get them in some better shapes and better positions. And that's enough. It's really remarkable. Yeah. So how do you go from – actually, I was just talking to Daryl Edwards about this on my last show. How do you go from deadlifting in the gym to deadlifting a human correctly? Well, it's, it's the same principles. I prioritize my spine first. Mm-hmm. I load my hips and hamstrings. I bring my knees forward to just for position and tension. So the key is that if I'm, I'm learning deadlift as a one in zero skill, but not a skill that suddenly transfers beyond a barbell right. or to a rock or right. to a sandbag – and I really haven't learned why I'm deadlifting, mm-hmm. right? And that, what's the point? Well, the point isn't to just be able to magically deadlift to the, to the object. The point is to be able to have a set of movement principles that I can do cold mm-hmm. when I'm a first responder, I'm in Afghanistan, I have to pick up my kids over and over again, where I automatically squeeze my butt, organize my spine, load my hips and hamstrings, bring my knees forward to adjust for load and position. Right. And suddenly, the formalized version of the gym means that I can go and move that heavy planter on my patio with, yeah. without fear. <laughs> and that's the problem is that we haven't sort of connected the dots for people. Yeah. You know, and what I love is that, you know, this sort of natural movement therapy that's out there with MoveNat and these guys, what they've really done is they've reinvented Strongman. I'm like, congratulations. Now yeah. we're moving objects and rocks. And no wonder <laughs> Strongman is so important and why we have axles and stones at our gym because mm-hmm. we want people to handle odd objects. Show me you can clean this sandbag using the principles of the formal clean. Yeah. Then express that when you're at our breakdancing class. 
because it's the same principle, right? That's awesome. And so, and so I think that's when we give people that breadth of experience and they really need that breadth of experience yeah. to, you know, a lot of people haven't been able to connect the dots. What we've said is be brutally fit, be brutally strong. I'm like, okay, I'm fit. I'm strong, but I still have knee pain. I still move like crap. Yeah. When I jump and land, my feet turn out, my knee comes in and look, I mean, you would think that look at the, um, ACL injury rates in kids under 12. Up 400%. Yeah. 400%. That's nice. Don't you think we should have corrected that by now? Right. We're stronger than we've ever been. Our nutrition's better than we've ever been. What the problem is we haven't taught kids the fundamentals of human movement. Just like we teach them the fundamentals of reading, we also need to teach adults how to move in the environment. And we take a lot for granted, but people don't know how to sit. They don't know how to stand. Mm -hmm. Standing is a very complex skill that was translated into Sanskrit as tadasana. That's what Tadasana is in yoga. It's standing, yeah. right? But it doesn't translate very well. But when you understand that first I squeeze my butt, that sets my pelvic position, then my abs can brace that position, then I screw my feet into the ground to create a little torque. Ah, those are the three elements of spinal stability mm-hmm. that get expressed in deadlifting and squatting and standing. And ah, and now I can connect the dots. And suddenly, this body, which has such good engineering, every once in a while I hear someone say something like, you know, the knee is such a bad design. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Have you seen people squat 1,300 pounds and yeah. run marathons? And right. like, the knee is an incredible design. The problem is that you're moving like an ass. You know? <laughs> and and this, is really, this is really the problem. And, I, you know, we have been going to our physicians, right? And my father's a physician. My grandfather's a physician. Yeah. I'm so pro-physician. But we've got to stop misusing our physicians. You sure. know, don't walk in with your metabolically deranged self with a hole in your knee because your heel striking, your quads are tight, and your hip anterior hip capsule is tight, and then expect to just magically be fixed. You know, these are complex problems that we deal with with the right nutrition, the right lifestyle, the right movement practice, and, and I, you know, and a little bit of mechanics. And pretty soon when you just start to fix this into your lifestyle, you just have no idea how much more you're capable of, how much more potential you're leaving on the table. Mm-hmm. And literally, we're seeing Olympians dumping so much force, dumping so much torque. You know, I'm working with a young basketball player who just, just uh, finished, uh, you know, his team got knocked out of the series, you know, and, you know, knee pain has seen every single person on the planet for his knee pain has had two knee surgeries. And guess what? We only found 15 things stiff, 27 things wrong with his movements, and he still can play in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens when we start to correct those things? Now we start to having a, a real and sentient conversation about, human potential and right. that's what's it what we've tried to do with this book this book is a is the betty crocker cookbook so that people can have a reference tool to be able to understand here are the movement principles yeah here's how i can test it myself with no load and then here's how i can fix it and once you give those people those tools you know we're, we're rolling that's brilliant Awesome. Well, we're just about out of time but why don't you just tell the folks what you're working on right now maybe a little bit more about the book and where they can find you Sure. Well, um, Mobility Wad, we've been around, this is, September will be three years. We, um, cool. We've put about 550 videos up, free searchable videos. What we yeah. realized is that we had, you know, it was like one of those pictures of Elvis that you can only see when you're like 30 feet away. <laughs> Up close, you get lots of little pictures. So what yep. we've done is we've just spent the last literally six months working hard to come up with a categorization system, a tagging system. The, the website, new website launches today. Um, oh, congrats. That's great. Thank you. And it, it's 3.0. This literally allows people to search and categorize and, and kind of look by diagnosis. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we're working on a couple more projects, taking on some big human health initiatives. One of them is looking at like uh, what's happening with this kind of running revolution of feet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do a lot of teaching. You can find us. Uh, the, the book, I think, is a good start. But as you know, there's so much slack to be taken out of the system. You know, that totally. the, sort of the further I go, the more I understand and the more we can really look at these as public health conditions and yeah. public health issues. You know, the, the Army has a million non-combat-related orthopedic injuries every year. Non-combat, a million injuries. That's 55 million lost user days. Yeah. We see that Marine Force Recon has 85% of those guys retire on full disability. So until we banish knee pain in America, until we can get rid of and get kind of solve disc disease and all the problems of being a modern human, we've got work, work cut out for us. Yeah. Oh, that's killer. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Kelly. It's, oh, thank you're you welcome guys anytime. So much. I, I, your book is, I, I think, a must read or a must have for anyone who <laughs> wants to learn how to move, which should be everyone. I, I, I really haven't found much like this in terms of a resource because I think we all could learn how to move a bit better. Well, you know, and what's really fun about this is everyone who picks it up, they're part of this experiment. Mm -hmm. You know, I own a gym. I do a lot of coaching. Like all of that language and experience has been trickled into this thing. And we're starting – really, it's like this is, this is a manual for you. It's a manual for the people. And one of the things we've seen is, you know, we just got news yesterday. We made the uh, – the, not New York Times, the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list. Right on. Right? And uh, it's not about me. It's about people realizing that like, hey, look. I'm in charge mm -hmm. of my knee pain and my back pain and my 5K time. I can fix it. Yeah. That's what we're doing. And this is why podcasts like yours and the work that we're doing, we've got to continue to connect these dots because we can just correct so many things. I mean, this is socialized medicine at its finest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on. We'll have to have you on again soon, man. My pleasure. See you guys soon. Cheers. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and Future Greens. You may know that I'm not a big fan of most supplements. It's hard to know if you're getting what you paid for. And even worse, many supplements, juices, powders, and greens we've tried taste terrible. For example, have you ever noticed that most powdered vegetable mixes taste like fish tank? Don't even mention fish oil supplements. Once you've had fish burps, it's hard to trust that brand again. So that's why Allison and I have spent the last three plus years creating wild superfoods. And it's our goal to give you the very best nutrition the world has to offer. Now you can get the concentrated nutrition of 15 organic fruits and vegetables plus six other superfoods in one extremely convenient ready-to-go package. We call it Future Greens. And if you're looking to improve your health, performance, and well-being by doubling your intake of fruits and veggies without the sugar and carbs, you're going to love it. With Future Greens, you can whip up your daily green drink in less than 30 seconds, no matter where you are. The certified organic stevia gives it a subtle sweetness and it tastes great in water or juice, and we think it even makes our green smoothies taste a whole lot better. It's made with certified organic, non-GMO fruits and vegetables to aid in detoxification, balance your body's pH, and give you a boost of clean energy without sugar, caffeine, or the dreaded crash. No junk or artificial sweeteners, and just one gram of sugar per serving. 
With the tasty wild berry flavor, you and your kids won't even realize you're eating broccoli and 20 plus powerhouse fruits, veggies, and adaptogens. So if you want to try our brand new creation from Wild Superfoods called Future Greens, we have even better news for you. As a listener of Fat Burning Man, and it's proof that you are because you're listening right now, you can actually get a 20% discount to try Future Greens yourself. Just visit fatburningman.com forward slash greens to get 20% off when you select subscribe and save. Once again, just visit fatburningman.com slash greens to check out Future Greens and get your special listener deal. We'll see you there. Thank you so much for listening to the Fat Burning Man Show. If you'd like free fat burning tips, muscle building goodies, as well as a free ebook and video course, head on over to fatburningman.com and enter your best email and I'll shoot those right over to you. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook, I'm at facebook.com forward slash fatburningman and on Twitter, my handle is fatburnman. Got some killer shows on the way, but in the meantime, be well and I'll be talking to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers.